on the inbounds. Barry gets the right side, working on Williams. Left foot pivot, takes it down to the baseline, spins back into trouble, kicked it up top to Jackson, swings to Richardson, goes baseline by Okor, slams it down! A little elevation sensation for Jay Rich. This is the Golden State Warriors podcast. And now your host, the voice of the Warriors, at Warriors Vox, Tim Roy. Welcome back to the Warriors Podcast. I'm Tim Roy, and we have a real treat for you today. Jason Richardson is joining me to talk to me about We Believe, obviously, and and also about what he's doing now as he moves into this second tier of his life, if you will, and and, uh, and the joys of being a father, a father of kids who are playing basketball. All that coming your way in just a moment. Quick recap of what's going on with the Warriors right now. Right in the middle of this eight-game homestand, they have the best record in the association uh, at the time of this taping. The Warriors are nine and one in their first 10 games so the numbers that are coming out about the Warriors and start to make a little more sense now it is still a small sample size but you're one eighth of the way through the season the next 10 games you hit the quarter pole if the numbers the Warriors are putting up right now are even remotely close to what we will see at the 20 game mark then you know that this is going to be a real special season I think it's going to be a special season. I think I think this team is really good. And Steph Curry, what can you say? Uh, coming off a 50-point, 10-assist night, just, uh, again, just to shake shake your head. You know, it, it's it's special. Savor it. You know, it's not going to be here forever. Enjoy this while it lasts because it's, um, it's remarkable, and it's something that you will never see again. A, a player who combines all the skill set and enthusiasm and class that Steph Curry does for the Golden State Warriors. So, upward and onward, my conversation with Jason Richardson. Well, I know that uh, you had just told me before we started uh, taping here that you've moved. You're you're now in in, in Las Vegas, and so uh, I, I don't I don't see you as a, as a as a guy on the strip, though. I don't I don't think you I don't think you're down there. It's just <laughs> no, I'm, I stay away from that place. That's the worst place on earth. <laughs> the the rest of Vegas on the outskirts, where you know they say where the locals live, it's amazing. Uh, it's a beautiful city um, where people get along. Dozens of places to eat. Um, uh, you know, great places to go shopping and stuff like that. So I leave the strip for the young people. I'm one of the old guys sitting on the golf course and enjoying these uh, views. <laughs> Jay Rich, uh, the old guy. I have a hard time, in, you know, imagining that. But it, <laughs> but time time does go quickly. So let's let's uh, let me. Uh, Start by getting this uh, uh, out here. But let's get the update on the kids now. now she, does your daughter graduate from college? My daughter is a senior right now. Oh, She's a twenty-year-old senior at um, a B two school in Denver. Um, she had a couple of uh, basketball injuries that had some setbacks with her basketball career, but um, she still plans. She had a, a tour of the kills. But for the Achilles last season and two seasons ago, she had a tour at ACL. Oh. So she's working that way back. She's still playing basketball, but uh, I think the bigger thing for me on that side for her is, you know, her determination to graduate on time. Uh, so she'll be graduating this spring. I'm a proud father of that to say that. that you know, i got a college graduate. Um, I have uh, my two boys now. They're 16 and 14 now. Um, one is a sophomore high school, the other one is the eighth grade, and they're going through their basketball uh, careers, little startup careers, and that, that's pretty fun seeing those things happen with them. Well, first of all, for your daughter, I mean that, that's just, that's basically what Clay Thompson's going through right now. You know, he's went went through those injuries. I mean, that's that's inc- yeah. that's incredible. Oh man, it's part of basketball, and it's unfortunate. You know, uh, 
both of the injuries, it was just, you know, going through the lane and um, she just gave in her leg, stuffed the wrong way. Um, and Achilles, the same thing, uh, just stuffed the wrong way. Uh, but I think her determination to keep uh, playing basketball, to get healthy and go through physical therapy, the rehab and the surgery she's been through the last three years, um, it just showed her, her dedication to the game of, of basketball. And, uh, I, I just love her, her, her attitude about it, uh, her work ethic about it, about just continuing to strive and just continue to try to play basketball. Yeah, you know, that's going to help her in life, you know. She, you know there's oh, yeah. Nothing, there's there's going to be nothing that she can't overcome, you know, after doing going through that and seeing the work. Exactly. So, you know, that's, what, that's the greatest part about it with the determination of, you know, just trying to come back and, you know, finish her career while also finishing up school. Yeah, one of the things about the NBA life, you know, that, that that's hard is that you, you miss moments with your kids and your family because you're, you know, constantly moving, you know, uh, holidays get kind of thrown out the window in the NBA and that kind of thing. But but it's got to be – so it's got to be pretty cool right now to, to be able to watch your kids in high school and uh, your boys, rather, and and get, get to, you know, kind of participate in that. That's got to be kind of cool. It is actually really cool, um, you know, just to see the progress of what they went through and, you know, kind of compare it to when I was going through it. Um, it it's, it's something that uh, I don't take for granted. Uh, I enjoy the minute of it. Uh, you know, my son is actually starting to get some recruitment, some, um, some uh, scholarship offers. So that's a exciting time for him. And, and it just it's fun for me because you get to compare, you know, when I went through it and what he went through it, and it's totally different. So um, it, it's just fun watching the progression of it, watching him grow as a basketball player, um, seeing that, you know, how hard he works, uh, the dedication he's put in, you know, in the classroom and on the court. Yeah, it's it's it, it, it's really cool. You, do you think they're going to go on and play in college? Do they have any interest in doing that? Yeah, they both. that's both of their goals. They want to do that. Uh, my son um, – who's in high school already. He has, uh, I think, six scholarship offers right now. Oh, wow. So uh, it, it's looking like more like he's going to go to college and play basketball. Um, he's a pretty good basketball player. My youngest one saying the same thing. He want to play college basketball. And, you know, they're doing all the club basketball going now, traveling all over the country. I don't have weekends. just like many of the parents now. Uh, you know, the kids in youth sports, it takes all your time. But um, <laughs> I don't I – don't, get mad or I don't regret it or get angry. I love going through every moment of it with them because uh, it's fun being around them and seeing them going through their uh, basketball trying to pursue something. Yeah, it's funny, you know, I, I, I do miss, you know, driving the, the my kids to a gym or with my son when he was playing baseball and sitting outside and spitting seeds with the other parents, you know, I, I you do miss that after a while. You, you think it's a kind of a pain when you're driving all over the place, but when, when it's over and done with, you kind of miss it. So. It's definitely a pain driving all over the place. The driving <laughs> part is the worst part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that, you know, you you're in the car, you know, six seven days a week, and especially the big road trips, and you got to go to a different state. You don't miss that part. But I mean, the actual games and you know, just the time spending with your kids, uh, in and out of gyms. Uh, you definitely have fun with those. Yeah, it's funny. My daughter was playing AAU ball, and they have this big tournament in Vegas, right? So the coach says, oh, we should go. We should go to this tournament in Vegas. So we put up the money, and, you know, we're going to get get to Vegas. We all get to Vegas, and the coach doesn't show up. I say, well, you got to be kidding me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you oh, got to be God. kidding me. <laughs> so did you coach the team or not? <laughs> uh, no, we, they, we had, he had an assistant coach, so I let him, you know, okay. go ahead and do that. But but I did, I, did, uh, I did put in an inbounds play at one point. I did do that. So, uh. Nice. Nice. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, what do you remember about 
being recruited when you were in high school? You know, you just remember, um, you know, just going through it with your, your friends. And I, I was just telling my son the other day, um, you know, when we went through the recruiting process for, you know, when it was AAU season, um, we just walked in the gym and we didn't know if the coaches were going to be there or not. So when the coaches was in there, you walk in the gym, you see the, all the, the college coaches sitting on the baseline. You're like, oh, man, the college coach is here. It's time to perform. I think now for them, it's, you know, they make a big deal. Oh, it's live period. So there's a lot of, you know, pressure on these kids going into the gym knowing that college coach is going to be there. And so a lot of them uh, have a lot of pressure on them. So I think, you know, for me, it was just going through that, you know, going to the gym, seeing the college coaches there, you know, seeing at the time Izzo and uh, Tubby Smith and uh, uh, Dean Smith was in uh, there. Uh, you know, Warren Williams, you've seen all these legends. Coach K, you've seen all these legendary coaches in the gym. And it, it just it made you want to go out there and play hard. And it was never pressure on us because we didn't know. They didn't make a big deal out of the live period back then. But now they make a big deal out of it. They let the kids know, hey, live period, they make sure you perform. The coach is going to be there. So in your mind, before the kids you know, step into the gym, they already know that I got to perform. Instead of being excited to see it, they already know it's coming. Uh, I think that's one of the big differences. But that's one of the main things I remember, just seeing those college coaches along the sidelines. And you just want to go out there and perform for them. Why, why did you choose to, to stay close to home at Michigan State? Well, you know, um, I got recruited by every college in America besides Duke and North Carolina. I have no reason why. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but when I went to Michigan State, um, I used to go to Michigan all the time. And Michigan State, they were both hour 15 east, and one was hour 15 west for me, southwest and southeast. And I used to go to those schools all the time, and you know, since I was a sophomore, and but when I went to Michigan State, it just felt like home. Um, you know, the guys that were already there, Mateen Cleese, Morris Peterson. Um, I started gaining a relationship with Charlie Bell, who I played against his senior year when I was a sophomore. Um, they walked me with open arms when I go down there and visit. Um, at Michigan, it was a different situation. I always was a Michigan fan. I grew up a Michigan fan, Sapphire fan. Uh, all the you know, good glory days of football at Michigan, but it just never felt like home. And so the main reason why I picked Michigan State, it just felt like home. It felt like they needed me there and they wanted me there. Well, I don't don't know what Tom Izzo does, but I do know this: when 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 kids come out of Michigan State and in, into the the league, they are ready to go and they are tough. <laughs> so I can't even <laughs> I can't even imagine what your practices must be been been like there. You know, we had some of the best practices and you know, at any level I ever played at. Uh, they were always spirited, they were always competitive, uh, we always worked, they were always scrappy and they were long. <laughs> but you know, you you remember every practice and like I said, uh, you know, they were some of my best practices. Um you always were prepared for the games. You can never blame Coach because he always had a great scout report on the other team. Uh, he always had a great game plan. I would approach it. It was just all about us executing the plays when we went out there and played the game. So uh, the practices definitely were something I always remember. Did you know where Golden State was when you got drafted? I had no idea where Golden State was <laughs> when I actually came out to do a workout. Um, I knew somewhere in California I had no idea. <laughs> so it was my agent at the time, uh, Dad said, he was like, hey, go stay with the work you all. They got the fifth pick. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, uh, what part of California? Is that L.A.? I mean, why were they so close to the Lakers? He's like, no, it's San Francisco, Bay Area, Oakland. I was like, okay, cool. 
Um, and I remember just getting on that plane and coming over and like, okay, this is this is kind of cool out here. It's cold, but it's cool. This is like <laughs> the California I was imagining. I was thinking a little bit more warm. It's my first time in the Bay Area, but um, you know, I, I love the the energy that was there from the first day I was there. Um, you know, with the draft workout, and I know it worked out like it was yesterday. Gilbert Williams, who was me and him, had the same agent. And they'll get drafted together. We got the same workout. So uh, I definitely remember that the days uh, I first I knew when Golden State where it was at. You know, it's it's, it's funny. I I always thought with you and 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 Gilbert that it you know that that was going to be the the driving force to get the Warriors you know up and and going. It didn't work out because of the you know the technicalities of the rule around Gilbert, which they changed later. You know, the Warriors couldn't offer him a, a, a decent deal. But you know, when you were starting out with the Warriors, did you have that kind of like feeling like, hey, we could we could get something going here? Yeah, I did that. Um, you know, when we first got there, because um, me, Gilbert, and Trey, we all had the same agent. Uh, coming out of college, we all worked out pre-draft. We stayed in the same uh, apartment complex. We saw each other literally every day. And so it was funny. I get drafted, and I'm in the green room and, and going through my media thing, and I'm looking at the board. I'm like, who's my teammate? I'm looking back, who's my teammate? And he's as soon as I'm asking that, number 14 for lesson, Troy Murphy. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? And so Troy comes down the hallway. We dap each other up. Like, hey, man, we see each other a lot more now. And we start laughing. And so we start going through our media rounds. And suddenly had to go say, end up having the second pick in the second round. And it's Gilbert Arenas. And so we end up bumping into Troy again. And Troy's like, come on, man. Dan has set this in motion. Like, we all in the same team. <laughs> you know, all the same draft class. And, you know, when we got out there, I just kind of envisioned that, you know, like, this is going to be the change of the Golden State Warriors. Because we, we got there and we were young guys. We were hungry. We were hard workers. Um, and we wanted to change the culture around there. And that was the main thing for us was we are going to be the reason why we changed Golden State around. What what what's your favorite uh, we believe moment? Oh man, I, I just think uh, the first time we actually played together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think a lot of people understood that you know when we first came. Uh, you know the first trade was Stephen Jackson and Al Harrington. Uh, Barry was still hurt. I was coming off of I think a broken hand at the time, so I didn't play the games right away. Um, and we were just kind of going through it, trying to figure each other out. And um, I think the first day we actually played together was in Detroit. So I'm back home in Michigan in front of my hometown fans, and we're at four strength. Barron's playing, I'm playing, playing with Steve and Al, and Monte was becoming Monte. And we went out there and destroyed the Pistons. I mean, we, I think we beat them like 30 almost, and I had a big game. And I just remember that was the moment we was like, hey, man, we really could make the playoffs if we play like this every night. And uh, – we kind of made a, a commitment to each other on the way home from the, uh, the game on the plane that, you know, we'll give it everything we have to try to make it to the playoffs. And so that's why that moment stick out to me the most because that was the start of the whole We Believe era. Yeah, it was really cool because the, the game before, uh, Gilbert had hit free throws with no time on the clock. <laughs> To to yeah. to beat the Warriors down in Washington, and it looked like, yeah. oh man, this could get you know. We weren't sure if Barron was going to play on, in Detroit, but then when yeah. he you know he got ready, you were back, and it was like, wow, this is this is pretty good, pretty cool. I, I got a side story. I don't know if you remember this or not, but the day of the trade with Indiana, we were in L.A. and 
because there were so many players involved, they had to bring in a guy from what was then the D League to get the roster. A kid named Ronaldo Major. And yeah. so he, he, they fly him in, and we play the game in L.A., and just so happens after the game, I'm sitting on the bus, and he's sitting right behind me. And, about, you know, it's about a 20-minute ride there from Staples to LAX, and, and he goes, hey, where are we going? I said, we're going to the airport. He goes, you guys fly home after games? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> he, he had left all of his stuff back at the hotel he hadn't packed because, you know, in the D-League, you fly the next, you know, it's a commercial flight the next day, right? So his routine was, right. okay, I'll come back to the hotel and go to bed and we'll get up and travel in the morning so eric housen had to send out get all the stuff packed up and shipped up to oakland for the next day but it was it was it was, it was a pretty funny moment for yeah, ronaldo funny. Um, <laughs> i i remember in the the playoff series with dallas just how it was like a wall of sound that would just come over and crash on top of you. Maybe a wave might be the better way to describe it. And I remember literally taking the headset off in pregame warm-ups because people were making so much noise. It was crazy. <laughs> it, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, uh, I think that was, you know, 14 years of not making it to the playoffs. Um, and I, I tell people all the time, is. You know, the Bay Area has the best sports fans, period. For basketball, football, baseball, hockey, it doesn't matter. They had the best sports fans. And uh, being a big basketball city, uh, you can just feel that energy. Um, you know, I remember, you know, walking on the court an hour and a half before the game, and the stadium is packed. I mean, it's like capacity an hour and a half before the games, and everybody got their gold shirts on, and they're standing up, and as soon as I touch the floor, it's a big eruption. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, this is unreal. Like, this is like a feeling I never felt before. And I had so much of drilling in it from that moment on. I was like, please, the first shot I take, I hope it's not an air ball for all the drilling <laughs> going through my body. And um, luckily it wasn't. And and, and I, I ended up having a really, really good game, that, that game. And, um, and, you know, the rest is history. You know, we didn't win, lose at home uh, against Dallas that whole series. Yeah, it was it was just you know so such a perfect you know moment you know it just was a perfect matchup for the for the Warriors and you know Nelly going back against Mark Cuban it just had everything that out of a movie you know it was just it was crazy uh, I I'll, I'll never forget that even even with the, the championship run which has been great uh, you know I'll never forget that you know unfortunately you know and it was kind of shocking you got traded the the following you know draft night which which i know was was hard for you but i i wanted to ask talk to you about your career in, in the hole because what's remarkable is that you came in and everybody talked about how you could jump and you you know you won the dunk contest that kind of put you on the entire nba map but when it's all said and done when you got done with your career the only year you didn't average in double figures was your last year and that was you averaged nine points a game and then the other part about it was that that you you really remade yourself. You know, at, you know the 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 dunk part of things only can go for so long. As Mitch Richmond told me once, it's not the takeoffs, it's the landings. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> so so, uh, but you know, you became a three point shooter. You did all these things, and then I looked at your numbers, and you're, you're almost dead even consistent. Your regular season numbers and your playoff numbers. I mean, it's it's, it's really 
it's like 17 points a night, five rebounds. It's really unbelievably consistent, and that's something you should take pride in because you know a lot of guys, especially in the playoffs, you know their numbers go down in the playoffs. They they have trouble in the playoffs, but but you were a consistent player, and I don't think you get enough credit for that. Uh, it's part of it, uh, just working hard. Um, you know, I always was an athletic person that could jump off the gym. Um, you know, it, it was different eras. So, you know, back then, me being six six, I was probably the tallest kid in sack and all playing basketball. So my whole life, even before I got that tall, I always played center. So I never dribbled the ball. I never shot the ball. But I was so athletic enough that I was always getting offensive rebounds or driving into the lane getting tips before it became dunks, tip dunks. Um, so I didn't work on my craft. And But when I got to Michigan State, I learned that um, if I wanted to play at the next level and I wanted to be successful at the college level, I had to develop a jump shot. So I just worked on my jump shots. Going into my sophomore year, I was taking a 1,000 shots a night, 1,000 shots a night. And I continued all the way on my career once I got into the NBA uh, because I wanted to learn how to shoot the ball and be a threat other than my athleticism. Um, because, you know, father time is always undefeated. You, your yeah. athleticism starts slowly deteriorate because you just age. It just happens. Um, unless you're just a freak of nature like LeBron. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but it just things you work on your game to become better and try to become a complete player. player. And I, I pride myself on that. It's just, you know, every offseason, working on my craft, coming back a better player, uh, coming back as a threat. And when the playoffs come around, you know, make sure I was always uh, reliable to come in and, and do something to help my team win games because every game counts. And so I pride myself on always coming back a better player in those times when you playoffs to always be ready and be accountable uh, that and reliable that your teammates can rely on you, that you're going to stay consistent from know what you did in the regular season yeah, i never i don't think i've ever uh, talked to you about this but but before i let you go there's a couple of other things i want to get to and, I, and like i said i think you uh should get a lot more credit of being a, an incredibly consistent player and a, and a worker the um uh you know we have another kid from saginaw on the roster uh right now um when did you hear uh, start hearing about draymond green and did you know him when he was growing up yeah, I mean, Saginaw is such a small city. Everybody knows everybody. Um, and I think by the time Draymond was coming into his own at Saginaw High, which was our rival school, uh, I was really wasn't coming back to Saginaw as much as I normally used to. It was kind of later in my career, and I started having kids, my other kids. So, you know, having baby kids, you just couldn't get around like that anymore. Uh, but I heard about Draymond as a sophomore. Um, he was like, hey, man, it's this kid. He's he a little pudgy, but he could play. <laughs> and he's like kind of big, but he just knows the game. He understands the game. Um, and, you know, so I followed him a little bit. And the times I did come home, start having conversations in gyms and stuff like that. And, um, you know, he became a really good player today. You know, Tubby Smith offered him at Kentucky. And he's like, wow, that's, you know, Kentucky, a blue, you know, blue blood school. Um, you know, the only scholarship offer he really had. I mean, he had some minor ones, but a major scholarship was the only one was Kentucky. And, uh, you know, it was decided for him that, you know, he was going out of Kentucky, and then all of a sudden some things happened up that Michigan State freed up a scholarship, and he ended up going to Michigan State. I'm glad that happened for him <laughs> because uh, the things he did at Michigan State, um, you know, become player of the year. Um, I think he won the top rebounders. Uh, one, you know, won some defensive players, the All Big Ten awards. Uh, he does some great things, and I'm just proud of him. And to see his progress from, you know, where he was at in high school, coming from the same city, we ended up going to the same college, and we ended up going to the our first NBA teams and 
you know, go to state, uh, it just makes me proud to see somebody from my hometown uh, doing well in, in the things he's doing right now. Um, he's, he's a legend. He's a, in my, my opinion, he's a future Hall of Famer. Um, and I love his, his energy um, and everything he brings to the floor. And I think everybody in, in the Bay Area appreciates it also. Oh, no, no doubt about that. I think Tom Izzo was perfect for him. I think it's what he needed in his life at that point, and uh, and they were perfect for each other. Uh, the yeah, what, what did you think during the, when the Warriors had that five year run? What were your thoughts on on that squad? You know, I, I was so happy um, just not for the squad because I mean, anytime you got Steph Steph Curry, you know, one of the great shooters in history, Clay Thompson, who's another great shooter in NBA history. Kevin Durant, who is probably the best scorer in NBA history, and, and Draymond Green, who does everything for you, uh, one of the top defenders in probably NBA history, you had no chance but to win. So for me, um, seeing that, I wasn't just happy for the team. It was the thing I was happy about was for the fans. I mean, it was just all that, you know, waiting of, you know, not making it to the playoffs when I was there for 14 years and to get the We Believe season. And you go into winning championship, um, you just felt happy for the fans because they their loyalty to the team, uh, their commitment to the team, uh, sticking by the real fans, uh, the you know they said the loyal fans from back in the days. Uh, you just feel happy and excited for them because uh, it all paid off. You know they won some championships, they made it to some finals. Uh, they got some great players that came through there. They got some Hall of Fame players there, and they got you know once in a lifetime generational type players there. So we see what's happening with those guys and what they're doing even this season. Uh, you only could be just happy for the fans because they they are so loyal and so supportive and they're the best fans in the NBA. Yeah, you know it's funny. I'm I'm, I'm lucky to have have gone through. We believe with you and and everybody else. I tell people it was like flying on a pirate ship with you know Captain Nelly, you know the whole thing. <laughs> and then, a whole bunch of degenerates. <laughs> and then, then uh, and then you know going with the 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 Steph Curry squad. That's that's kind of like you know traveling with a rock band. You know that's it's it's a, that kind yeah. of vibe. But um, hey, so before I let you go. My suspicion is that the, that you moved to Vegas for your golf game. Is that true? Uh, yeah, a little bit for my <laughs> golf game. Uh, we actually moved out here for schooling for our boys. Uh, we just wanted to give them a little bit more push um, academically and athletically. Uh, it was hard to find a school that had both. And uh, we found a great school out here that they were really striving at, um, playing some really good basketball, but they also getting an education. So that was one of the main reasons. The secondary reason was my golf game, so <laughs> I have to play golf year-round and, and go out there and enjoy it, but uh, we, we really enjoy being in Vegas right now. So are you heading for the senior tour at some point? Oh, man, you know, some days I feel like I am, but some days I feel like I'm not. <laughs> it's just the way a game, yeah. game of golf is, and yeah. um, I think that's what draws a lot of former athletes to the game, um, you know, especially Professional athletes, uh, you know, you've been so dominant or you you accomplish so much in your sport and you come to this sport where it's just you and this golf ball and you can't tell that golf ball what to do every single time. It's always something that's going to go wrong. So it's a really hard sport to dominate it, but um, I think that's the beauty of it for a lot of professional and athletes, our competitive nature, so we get that out, you know, playing that sport because you can go out there one day and be, you know, straight ball here and make every party and the next day you can't get the ball for key. So it's a great sport. Uh, last one, real quick. I know that in talking to you in recent years, uh, you had we were you were going back to school. Did you go back and, and finish off and get your degree? 
Yes, I'm back in school still. Um, okay. I'm got one more year left. I've been taking it easy and slow. Uh, I did one semester at uh, a full a full load, and I would never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the, the traveling I do and the kids, it was just tough to do that. So I'm I'm just taking my time right now. A class, you know, every semester, two classes every semester, so I can still enjoy. Um, the travel that I do with business and with the NBA and then the travel I do with my kids. So um, I'm, I'm inching closer, but I'm almost there. Well, that's great because it's not only great for you, it's great for your family. It's great to, for your kids to see you doing that too. That That's that's a great Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Hey, exactly. Jason, Jason, it's always a pleasure, man. I always love talking with you, and I, I loved uh, being around you when you were a warrior. I know you play with other teams. We, we try to claim you. You know, we want to claim you as a, as a warrior. So. Oh, I'm always, yeah, Golden State is my home, so it's <laughs> already claimed there too. So it's the same way, mutual. My best to you and your family and uh, those boys, and savor every second of that. That's going to be so much fun for you. And, uh, and, and please stay safe and be well. Thanks, Tony. Can't tell you how much fun it is to talk to Jay Rich and catch up with him. He's one of my all-time favorites. And here at the Golden State Warriors podcast, and in the same spirit of going back and reliving some of those moments from We Believe, I encourage you to check out Warriors 75th on Instagram. It's a new account that the Warriors have launched to help shine a spotlight on some of the most special highlights, players, milestones, and moments in our history as we celebrate 75 years of Warriors basketball together. And in that ilk, on the radio side, we have put together a series of features for our pregame show, 75 Years and 75 Stars. Check out this one about the first leading scorer in the association. That's Joe Folks. He was the first superstar of professional basketball. And while you listen to this, I want you to pay attention to some of the production values on this piece because R.C. Davis, our senior radio producer, incorporated some of the NBA theme music from television coverage going back into the 90s and way back into the 70s. See if you can pick it up as you listen and learn about Joe Folks. It's time for 75 years, 75 stars, as we celebrate 75 years of Warriors basketball in the NBA. Tonight we honor the legacy of a great warrior, Joe Folks. Many believe the first superstar of pro basketball was George Mikan. I politely disagree. Folks was already 25 years old when the Basketball Association of America began, and it was clear early on that he was ahead of the game. One of his teammates on the 1946-47 Philadelphia Warriors was Ralph Kaplowitz. I believe the old-timers would know the name, Jumpin' Joe. <laughs> Jumpin' Joe. Joe can shoot with either the right hand or the left hand. Most of us shot with two hands, but he would use one hand either going from the right side of the basket or the left side of the basket. He was the great talent at that time. He was the Michael Jordan at that era. In fact, Folks led the league in scoring in the first two years of the BAA. He averaged over 23 points a night in 1946-47, almost seven points a night better than anyone else. Again, Kaplowitz on Folks being ahead of his time. Well, I think he was at that time uh, because he used to shoot quite a bit. He would take perhaps 50 shots a ball game, and he can shoot either left-handed or right-handed. He could miss uh, eight or ten shots in a row, but then he would make eight or ten shots in a, in a row. And well, he wasn't bashful to, to shoot. 
He set the single-game scoring record four different times. The final time on February 10, 1949, in a win against the Indianapolis Jets. In that contest, Folk shot 29 for 56 and ended up with 63 points, a record that would stand for a decade until it was broken by Elgin Baylor. Perhaps his biggest accomplishment, though, was being part of Eddie Gottlieb's Philadelphia Warriors championship squad in the first season of the BAA. We had uh, Joe Fox, I consider him the first superstar in the league, and we had Howie Dalmar, who had played at the University of Pennsylvania, George Sineski, who was an All-American at St. Joseph's College, Jerry Fleischman, who played at NYU, E. Rosenberg played with the Spas, Angelo Mew from Temple, Matt Gukas, whose son is now playing with the 76ers, Art Hillhouse, who was the leading scorer in the American League the year before and played at Long Island University. Along with the championship, he was named All-League four times, three times to the first team. He led the league in scoring twice and was a two-time All-Star. He was one of ten players named to the 1970-71 NBA Silver Anniversary Team. He died way too soon in 1976 at the age of 54 and was inducted into Springfield two years later. Joe Folks, 75 years, 75 stars. has been 75 years 75 stars hey that's the warriors podcast for this edition uh, again thanks to jason richardson for his time always fun to catch up with the jay rich thanking uh, james kincaid who of course sets all this up for the warriors podcast and everybody else associated with it i tim roy check it out listen wherever you get your podcast and go back and listen to previous episodes of the warriors podcast we have some really good stuff there gary payton the second we have jordan Poole, and rest assured We're going to have many others as the year continues. Take care.